episode of T Watches a Scary Movie. My name is T, and of course, we are talking scary movies. I appreciate you tuning in for another brand new episode. Remember, new ed- episodes go up every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. You can find the video version on the YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash C slash Scary Movie. And the audio-only version goes up half an hour earlier on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Just got to search Twasm or T Watches a Scary Movie. Make sure, hit those subscribe buttons, folks. Hit those like buttons after you're done listening to an episode. Let me know what you're liking about the show, what you're not liking about the show as well, too. Keep in mind, we are not that long away from our fall hiatus, because once we hit September 1st, y'all know we are in our endless movie marathon again from September 1st all the way up until Halloween. So we're not going to do the same traditional show like we usually do. We usually do shorter versions just to give you an idea of what you should be watching every week during the fall leading up to Halloween. So make sure to get subscribed, stay up with that. And then there's of course the link tree, which is linktr.ee slash T scary movie. If you get subscribed to the link tree, that will keep you in the loop for when all new uploads are going up, whether that's a video version, an audio version, a new TikTok, a new letterbox review. Keep in mind, I write letterbox reviews for all of the reviews that I do. So If you go to Letterboxd, you will be able to see the written reviews for anything that I'm talking about on the show, folks. So make sure to get subscribed to that link tree. So what do I have for you tonight? Tonight in reviews, I'm going to be discussing Insidious, The Red Door, the latest entry in the Insidious series directed by series star Patrick Wilson. I got that coming up for y'all here in just a little bit, but we do have one new story that we're going to talk to y'all about here first before we get to that. So that new story, let's hit it right here, right now. It was announced that coming this fall, Friday, October 6th on Paramount Plus, we are going to be receiving a new entry in the Pet Cemetery franchise entitled Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. Yes, this is a prequel to both the original and the rebooted film that have been done here in the last 35 years. Now, you might have seen this, the story of the Creed family that moves out to Ludlow, Maine, and after losing their child due to an accident uh, involving a truck on the road, uh patriarch of the family lewis decides to visit the local pet cemetery after receiving advice from neighbor judd crandall as a way to bring his child back now uh i'm not the biggest fan of the pet cemetery franchise i am very very open about that i very much am um i i enjoyed pet cemetery too honestly uh i know for a fact because edward furlong was in it and big terminator 2 fan who obviously isn't but i think that uh me being me as a kid it was a lot easier to connect to edward furlong as my point of view in a movie than it was to connect to you know lewis creed and the original film and even in the remake um with um uh oh god uh jason clark uh, i was about to say because it was another john connor which is the funny connection there jason clark uh who played uh lewis creed in the remake of pet cemetery which i did see that one in theaters i still just wasn't connecting with it 
And it's not that it's not a scary story. It very much is. You know, you take somebody close, important to you, animal or a human, you go and bury them in this pet cemetery and they're back. But they themselves are not back. They are some different version of this person or this thing that we knew and loved at one point or another. There's something evil about them. Sometimes dead is better. And the story in both the original film and the remake was that Judd Crandall showed uh, Lewis how to use the pet cemetery to how to bring these people and these things back. And he's instantly regretful of it for doing that with uh, Lewis's kid, just because unfortunately, as I said, dead is better and it doesn't turn out too well for Judd at all. And the story here of Bloodline seemingly is gonna follow Judd as he first gets introduced to the pet cemetery and all its powers. As the synopsis reads, uh, in 1969, a young Judd Crandall has dreams of leaving his hometown of Ludlow, Maine behind, but soon discovers sinister secrets buried within and is forced to confront a dark family history that will forever keep him connected to Ludlow. Bane banding together, Judd and his childhood friends must fight an ancient evil that has gripped Ludlow since its founding and once on Earth has the power to destroy everything in its path. Now here's the problem. It is a prequel. We have seen prequels been released before to a lot of horror films to where it goes back and it tells us how this villain became who they uh, who they came to be. And for a series like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or for Chucky, Child's Play, things like that work extremely, extremely well because we do have some kind of interest in finding out how these monsters came to be who they are. But for something like Pet Cemetery, there's not really a bad guy for us to go into the, the past with. I mean, the creeds didn't matter until they moved to Maine. And Judd isn't a bad guy. Judd showed Lewis how to bring back his cat. He showed Lewis how to bring back his kid. And he paid the price for that. But Judd wasn't a bad guy. He was trying to bring some peace to this grieving family. So going back and looking at Judd Crandall just doesn't seem like it's all that interesting of a choice, honestly. Because... Unless he's going to end up making some sinister choice to actually murder somebody in this film, which I'm not going to cross that out. Uh, frankly, I'd actually bet like money on this, that this film's just going to randomly feature Judd Crandall killing somebody and then bringing them back through the pet cemetery. Uh, but even with that, even with that though, the thing is that we know where this has to go. Okay. We look, the multiverse has infected so many things in the last however many years at this point. So it's not like we're going to see Judd do this and suddenly we're in a branching timeline to where the first pet cemetery couldn't have happened. That doesn't make any sense. And if it happened, y'all, we're done. We're done here. If that ended up being what happened. Instead, this film's going to end one of two ways. Either one, it's going to end leading directly into Pet Cemetery, which doesn't really make any sense because we're very much focusing on a young Judd Crandall and the events of Pet Cemetery definitely seem like they're happening much, much, much later because this is set in 1969. And if we go off like the time frame that the original film is set in, it's set in 89 at that point. So we don't have too much time. We're not going to fast forward 20 years. So I don't think that's going to happen. So it's obviously going to end with Judd probably overlooking the pet cemetery and wondering how often he's going to end up using it again. And somebody's going to pass down that tagline of dead is better. Because that didn't come from Judd. 
Somebody else is going to tell Judd that. And then he's going to take that and pass that along to the Creeds, which then gets passed along to Eddie Furlong's family and so on and so on. So I don't know. I'm going to check it out either way. Again, it's going to hit Paramount Plus Friday, October 7th. Um, October 6th, excuse me, Friday, October 6th. So we're going to check it out. We're going to talk about it. We're going to review it, of course, and maybe I'll go back and we'll check out the remake and the original film as well, too, at that time here on the show. But I don't know. Tell me what you think. Are you a fan of the original Pet Cemetery? Did you like the remake? How do you feel about Pet Cemetery 2? Let me know that in the comments, folks. Now, before we go to break and we come back with my review of Insidious, the Red Door, I want to quickly talk that we are in the middle of a strike right now. Both the Screen Actors Guild and the Writers Guild of America are both on strike to get the fair wages and fair compensation that they're requesting uh, because they're getting screwed over. That's the simple truth about this is that we have a lot of folks in this industry who are getting screwed over because studios don't really share a lot of the information that they really should and they don't pay people the way that they should as well too. So folks, find ways to support the Screen Actors Guild, find ways to support the Writers Guild of America as well too. These people literally make up everything that you're watching on TV and in cinema um, and they need to be rewarded. They need to be rewarded for what they do. Everybody deserves a fair piece and they should get theirs as well too. Folks, I'll be right back with my review of Insidious, The Red Door. Hey everybody, looking for a great way to stay up to date on horror news as well as read the best of articles on anything scary out in the world right now? Then you need to head over to the Fangoria shop and get yourself a subscription. If you go to shop.fangoria.com slash AXDW, you can use my own personalized 20% discount to save 20% off on Fangoria magazine subscriptions as well as 20% off any other items in their fantastic shop. This is a great deal. If you've ever been wanting to get yourself a subscription, now is the time to do so. Head to shop.fangoria.com slash AXDEW. Welcome back to T Watches a Scary Movie. Here in Movie Reviews, folks, I am talking Insidious, The Red Door. So, in the last 20 years or so, Things have been rather kind to us when it comes to horror films based around possession. Whether it was the theatrical release of the director's cut of The Exorcist, random gems like The Exorcism of Emily Rose and Sinister, or even like those franchises out there like Paranormal Activity and The Conjuring, we've had more than enough demonic possession movies out in the last few decades that there's enough to appease all kinds of fans depending on how you want your possession movie to be and you can absolutely add the insidious series to that list the first two installments in the series featured the Lambert family, portrayed by Patrick Wilson, Rose Byrne, Ty Simpkins, and Andrew Astor, dealing with their uh, dealing with son Dalton falling into a coma as the family deals with the man, uh, malevolent force looking to use the Lamberts for evil. Now. Their story reached somewhat of a conclusion at the end of Insidious Chapter 2, and the next two entries were prequels that were based around other characters in the established world. Ten years later, series star Patrick Wilson returns to direct the latest installment, which switches gears back to the Lambert family in an effort to wrap up their story once and for all. 
Now, Dalton Lambert, played by Ty Simpkins, who you might know from Jurassic World or more recently, The Whale, uh, is beginning his freshman year of college and is starting to remember the terrible things that were hidden down in the further of his mind. While his father is starting to regain these same terrible memories, the two frantically search for clues to their past that will put them directly in danger from the evil that has tormented their family for decades. Patrick Wilson, who is making his directorial debut, cheers, congrats, because y'all, Patrick Wilson is like one of the best actors of our lifetime, and he's somebody who hasn't minded um, doing a lot of horror. Like, he does a lot of serious films, he's done a lot of like Oscar, like Oscar-worthy work as well too, but yet and still, he hasn't shied away from doing like these fun franchises out there like Aquaman, like Insidious, like The Conjuring, like Watchmen, he's done a lot of these films out there that, you know, I think other actors Actors of his stature would induce the fact that his directorial debut gets to be uh, a film in a franchise that really not necessarily put him on the map but it helped make him a household more of a household name for sure I think that's really cool to see and he's here directing a script from Scott teams who you might know uh, helped write Halloween kills as well as the Firestarter remake that we got recently and this film seemingly has a much more personal touch to it compared to the other entries in the series I think that there's a clear love here from Wilson uh, and his shots for these characters. And this script wisely shows that, you know, the repressed memories that folks can have don't necessarily mean for a happier life. Just because you've lost these memories of something terrible happening, that doesn't necessarily mean that everything is suddenly just all for the better. That life is overall just in a much different place and that we can all be happy. Things still suck right now. Things are still pretty bad at the moment. And I think that the script making that very clear that just because they don't remember doesn't mean that everything's worked out really well. I think that's honestly a really, really uh, ingenious choice. The Lambert family is fractured. Um, Josh and Dalton might not have knowledge of the events of the first two films of the series, but both of them have clearly paid a price for everything that's happened in all of their respective relationships. Josh wants to be a part of Dalton's life, but Dalton knows there's something in their family history that's wrong. And because he can't figure out what that is, there's a wedge that's been driven between Josh and Dalton. And that's a big, big part of this story. I think one of the bigger problems that the uh, that the first two entries had was that uh, the Lamberts, and more specifically Josh and uh, Renee, who is played by Rose Byrne, um, I feel like they were supposed to be the point of view for our story, but between like all the possessions that happen across like those first two films and not knowing who was who at all times, because sometimes it's the demon, sometimes it's the real person, I don't think they were reliable, um, not narrators, because they weren't really narrating the story, but they weren't really reliable protagonists in those films. And instead, we more so were following uh, the matriarch, um, Lorraine, played by Barbara Hershey, who was Josh's mother, and then the paranormal investigating team that comes to help the Lamberts out, uh, Elise Specs and Tucker, played by Lynn Shea, Lee Winnell, and uh, Angus Sampson. And all four of those characters are 
basically sidelined for this entry. And so that means that we are forced to put this big focus on Dalton and Josh. And to an extent, it really works because that's really what we should have been getting. I do think that Elise Specs and Tucker are the best part of this franchise, bar none. There's a reason why they are in all five of these films uh, because they really are the best parts of them. But the issue is, is that we can't forget the victims that we're focusing on as well too because we can't just have you know our heroes be be the ones that are getting all this time we have to see the people who are truly being affected by this for this to actually be an engaging story that we all feel that we're we're intrigued at seeing where it's going to go to and I think that Dalton, the fact that because there's such a big issue between Dalton and Josh and Dalton kind of forces Josh to like clean his shit up. Like, hey, there's a problem here. You clearly are having issues that are affecting our family as a whole and you need to go and check out what that is. Like you just sitting around doing nothing doesn't help our family out at all. We are all clearly suffering. Do better. Help us out with that. And, you know, not only does Josh have to do some work on himself to kind of figure out these mysteries of the past and what can help him get better but Dalton's doing the same thing because Dalton doesn't, doesn't want to get stuck in this rut that he's in he wants to find answers to the issues that he's having as well too now the red door doesn't offer much in the way in the scared apartment as the previous entries have and while I think that the teenage crowd is really going to be the ones that are checking it out I honestly don't think they're going to find this one all too entertaining compared to a lot of the previous entries. Um, I imagine that long-term fans are definitely going to find something in here that they're really going to enjoy. But I think that, you know, 10 years ago when like the first and second films were coming out, teenagers back then, not me, because, you know, I would only been in my 20s, but I think teens back then... Uh, much easier stories to get through and I think that you know in the 10 years that we focused more on mental health and generational health and curses and things like that and the work and the effort that's been put in in real life I think that translates here to the movie that the teenage crowd's just not going to really have that much of an interest in that story honestly and we do get some firm answers to some of the lingering questions set up in the previous film. And while no, not everything does get wrapped up uh, pretty neatly, I do feel that it rewards you for knowing your history of the franchise and allows you to still look forward to what's coming next as well, too. It's, it's an interesting parallel to consider uh, when you think about uh, producer James Wan's other ghostly franchise, The Conjuring. Um, that's a series that I feel its most recent entry found itself also severely lacking in the scares department, but it had a lot in terms of story. You know, the first two Conjuring movies, those are really, really good films, honestly. I think they're they're terrifying, they have some great jump scares in it, and they have really, really good character work, but I think that the third film really put all those things together, and unfortunately, the scares were left lacking in that third, uh, third entry while the story was really good. And I think that's kind of the same thing that's going on here with Lambert's story in Insidious, to where the first two entries are really good when it comes to scares, jump scares, just wanting to like spend a weekend getting terrified. But this third entry is where you're going to need to go to really get the story. And 
that's the overall success and failure of this franchise over the years. Most of these films uh, present a really intriguing story about families and dealing with the pain of their past and being unable to move forward from that pain. And the ghost and the possession and the further itself, these could all be seen as metaphors for us opening doors to secrets and truths that maybe we shouldn't know or that we're not ready to know just yet and that we should instead focus on strengthening those bonds with those who we have right here. Insidious is a really big success when it comes to choosing to focus on these strained family ties and how all those involved will look anywhere and everywhere for answers. But five films in, it just can't seem to crack the scare department. And as the sixth injury, entry that's going to be starring Mandy Moore and Kumail Najani, uh, uh, excuse me if I mispronounced that, has already been announced. Um, I'm really hoping that uh, the new writer can really figure out the combination of that before it comes out because we still just haven't gotten an entry that was perfect at gelling in all that family drama with the scares. I think chapter three came really, really close to that, honestly, but I think there's a chance to do much, much better, honestly. Regardless of my thoughts, though, uh, The Red Door has been a massive success. Folks, it has made $126 million off a $16 million budget as of July 19th and will likely end up being the third highest grossing entry in the franchise. These movies make a lot of money. So this series is going to be sticking around for a while, and as well it should. Horror just is the place to be if you're trying to make money these days. Um, and with the next entry, Threads, not focused on the Lambert seemingly I think it's possible that we could finally get our first truly terrifying film in the franchise folks insidious the red door is in theaters everywhere right now and you can catch insidious and insidious chapter 2 the first two entries in the franchise for free on max right now that's going to do it for us tonight, folks. I appreciate you tuning in to check out another review. Make sure you're back next week when I got even more in store for y'all. Get subscribed. Make sure to like. Tell me what your thoughts were on the Insidious series so far. Folks, my name is T. We've been talking scary movies. Stay scared. Hey everybody, I appreciate you tuning in for another brand new episode, movie review, game review, whatever it is now at this point. Don't forget, you want to get subscribed to my official channel so you can stay up to date for when I'm dropping new episodes, reviews, news, whatever it is. The best way to do that is get subscribed to my link tree. That's going to be linktr.ee slash tscarymovie. Again, linktr.ee slash tscarymovie. That'll keep you up to date with new videos, podcast links for the audio-only version, as well as my letterbox, where you can find written reviews. Get subscribed, and don't forget, keep watching scary movies, folks. Stay scared.